What's going on? What's going on? What's going on, everybody? You know what's up? You know what's going on? Is your favorite credit hero, your favorite credit hero, Ronnie Francois and the Crowd Lab Podcast. And on this amazing episode today is what are the two, what are two methods to removing negative items off your credit for? Of course, there's multiple ways of doing it, but then on this episode, we're gonna to touch on two very, very important ones. So without further ado, we're gonna get the show started. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Is your favorite credit hero, Ronnie Francois. Of course, you have a lot of credit heroes out there, but we all know who your favorite credit hero is, and that's me. So again, thank you for joining us. If this is your first time tapping in or you watch the replay, listen to on the radio, listen to device, definitely want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, because uh, right now you might be in a position where you have a 700, 750, 800, even the 850 credit score, but you know what? Maybe your spouse, next door neighbor, the kids, the mailman, the mail lady. But you know what? It could be anybody. You know, one out of six Americans have a credit score that's under um, 620, and then one out of 10 don't know what the credit score is. So um, you'd be surprised who you might be connected with that might need this valuable, life-changing information. So, of course, you know, in the Credit Lab podcast, you know, we give you stuff that you can actually use, apply. And then not only that you can apply, but you can also share that knowledge with other people because knowledge is power. But, you know, what's more important is apply knowledge. So um, a lot of us out here struggling with credit, uh, whatever the case might be. And one thing we do, we, you know, we seek the information, but then we don't apply. Because I believe in a, in a good book, it says faith without works is dead. So eventually at some point, you got to put in some work. But let's just jump right into it. So the topic for today is there's two methods for removing negative items off your credit report. Look, let me let me be honest with you. There's probably like a million different ways that you can get a negative item off your credit report. But I know two for two for short methods that actually do work. You can actually get some results. But again, let me just say um, credit restoration, credit repair, you know, whatever you want to give it. Um, sometimes it's not overnight process. Uh, look, you had credit issue for the last 10, 20, 30, 40, I don't know, some of y'all made like 50 years. Um, so, you know, you're not going to get the stuff off your credit overnight. I mean, that's just, that's just realistic. And then if you do come across someone, they say, look, I can get X, Y, Z off in like 10 days, a week, whatever. First of all, that's against the law to tell somebody specifically how long it's going to take to get a negative amount of credit. That just, that's, all, that's against the law. The second thing is when we when someone when something gets disputed off your credit report, um, nine out of ten times it goes to the consumer report agencies, and they actually have a time frame that they have to respond back. They actually have thirty to forty five days to respond back, and you know sometimes you might get lucky; they might respond back within a couple of weeks, you know, days, whatever the case might be. But they actually have a time frame. So if you out there, somebody tell you they can do something like twenty, like a week, a couple of days. Um, that's not that's not always factual. So just be careful. People that's making false promises to you when it comes to credit restoration. So the two methods that we're gonna cover tonight or this evening or in the morning, whenever you listen to a replay if not watching live, uh, this factual dispute and the other one is actually using consumer law 
to dispute the negative on off your credit report. And so factual dispute, um, it's kind of like self-explanatory. You're actually looking for like factual stuff that actually that actually got wrong off your consumer report. Because if you look at your consumer report or your credit report, there's there's a lot of information on there. And believe it or not, a lot of times the creditors, the consumer report agencies, they, they get stuff mixed up. You know, you, if you so for example, if you look at if you look at your personal information section of very beginning of your consumer report, uh, you, you look at your name, your address, phone numbers, you might have multiple names. You probably will have multiple address, multiple phone numbers. Um, so again, you know, a lot of times people that's putting information in the computer, they're human too. So they're going to make mistakes. And that's why an uh, agency like the Fair Credit Report Act was established to help consumers protect our, to protect our right. So basically how the factual dispute work is really, really simple. It's pretty, you pretty much print your reports out. All three reports, experience, transgender, equal facts. Um, whether you use identity, if you use identity IQ, it's going to have all three reports on the same page for every account. So if you go through the uh, free annual credit report.com, you can actually get your credit report for free, one copy at least, at least once a year. So what you do is you pretty much, so if you're using, um, if you're using the identity IQ, everything is on one page. You basically look for any inconsistency. Um, for example, let's say uh, you have a Macy's credit card and then the opening date for uh, TransUnion says September the 1st, uh, but Experian might say, it might say October. Um, that's the inconsistency. Then you just go down the line, the open, the open date, the status of the account, the high balance, um, the last activity date, the last reporting date. So you just go line by line for every single line, take your finger, go across, and see if there's any, any inconsistency. So that's pretty much how the factual dispute works. But if you have the, um, if you if you do a free report through freeannualcreditreport.com, it's not going to be that simple. You know, you're going to have to take all three reports, put them side by side. Again, just look for the account and just look for any inconsistency. And then what you're going to do is when you write to the consumer reporting agencies, you're going to say, look, I pulled my transunion for this account. Um, it's showing opening date is this. And on Equifax, it's showing opening date is this. So if the same furniture the information, same creditor is sending the information to these report agencies, all the information should be the same. So that's why it's important. That's why the factual dispute is important because you look for inconsistency. Um, of course, that can take a little time. It can be a little tedious, but in a nutshell, that's pretty much how factual dispute works. You're looking for stuff that's the inconsistency between the reports and because according to the Fair Credit Reporting Act, Everything on your consumer report has to be 100% accurate. Not 99, not 98, not 99.2, 99. You get the point. The point is it all has to be 100% accurate. And if there's any inconsistencies, that is ground that you can request for the item to be either updated, deleted, or removed. So that's another thing, too. So when you dispute an item, um, disputing is one thing, but you actually have to tell them what you want. Um, so that's very, very important too. Because if you don't tell them what you want, um, you know they they going they, they might just send it back verified because you're not telling them what they want, or they might just update it, or they might correct it. Who knows? But it is very, very important to tell them what you want because as a consumer, you actually have the right um, to privacy. You actually have the right to know what's on your credit report. You actually have a right to say what goes on your credit report. 
And if you dispute something, you just not right. And then you also have to tell them what you want as a result. And it's also important too, if you do want to dispute a, a negative item and the first time you dispute it, don't get discouraged if it um, comes back verified. Because what happens is uh, when you dispute an item, depending on, depending on what method you use, um, the consumer foreign agency, they're going to reach out to the creditor or the bank, the institution. And, you know, seven out of 10 times, that bank is going to say, look, um, yeah, we're reporting it right. Um, no, uh, the consumer foreign agencies are not going to invest it. They're going to just take their word for it. So never get discouraged if it does come back verified. Um, again, because most, most of that stuff is done automated. So it's not like it's a live person actually that's actually looking, reading through these letters. So it's very, very important. And then if you do have to dispute it, again, you actually want to have a different reason. Because uh, if you use the same reason multiple times, the consumer for days, they're going to just straight tell you, like, look, <clears throat> you already disputed this negative item already. Unless you got some new information, we, we're not even going to do nothing about it. So uh, sometimes they get a little disrespectful like that. So it is very, very important. If you do want to dispute the same negative item, you just have, a, have to have a different result, different, different, different reason. <clears throat> and that's why the factual dispute is kind of cool, uh, because if you go down, uh, if you go down your, your consumer pool, you go line by line. Um, there's probably like eight or nine different categories that you can pretty much select one, two, or three of those items at a time. So that way, it's not the same reason. That way, they won't just they will take you a little more seriously. All right, so that's pretty much how the factual dispute works. The next one is consumer law dispute. Uh, so. The difference between factual dispute and consumer law is factual dispute, you, you go going line by line, going down your report. And consumer law is pretty much when you're actually applying the laws <clears throat> that are in place to protect your right as a consumer. Um, so the first one that come on top of my head is the FCRA, Fair Credit Reporting Act. Um, I probably mentioned that name before. I probably mentioned it again. And I probably mentioned it again and again <laughs> because it's very, very important. If you really, really want to start studying consumer law, start studying your right, uh, the Fair Credit Reporting Act is definitely, um, I wouldn't say it's the easiest way to go, but it's definitely the first step uh, because it basically tells you what your rights are as a consumer. It tells you what the consumer reporting agencies can and can't do. And I think the most important thing I got out of the Fair Credit Reporting Act is in the very beginning. I mean, it's very clear. It says that the consumer reporting agencies assume the role in collecting information. They assume that it's not mandated. The government didn't give them that right. You didn't give them that right. They just assume that title. They assume that position. Um, so, so the next time you get on the phone with a, a creditor or whoever it might be, they tell you that they have to submit your information to the consumer reporting agencies. Um, no, you can tell them that, that that's just a bunch of fluff. You can just be like, look, get out of here with that nonsense. That's not true. Because in the very beginning, the Fair Credit Reporting Act says that they assume the role of collecting your information. Uh, again, that's why it's important to know your rights as a consumer, because if you don't know your rights, these people can just willy-nilly just tell you anything, and you have to believe what they tell you because you don't know. Again, the information is out there, but if you don't apply the information, you're still not going to know. So basically, consumer law is pretty much using the laws that's already on the books, the laws mandated by Congress, the laws mandated by our government got a place to protect us. Uh, for example, like the small, the simplest one I can remember is 15 U.S.C. 1681B, permissible purpose. 
No one can pull your credit unless they have your written consent. I mean, it's real simple, straight to the point. I mean, no chaser, just straight to the point. They need to have your written consent. If they don't have your written consent, it's identity theft. It's really that simple. Again, that's right there in the Fair Credit Reporting Act. So if you don't, if you don't know the Fair Credit Reporting Act, and you never heard of credit here, or you never been on this podcast, you probably wouldn't know it either. I didn't learn about the Fair Credit Reporting Act until I was like, to be honest with you, like man, like about three or four years ago. Uh, and this thing has been around since 1970. So that just goes to show you that the information has always been out there. And it's always going to be out there. But you just have to look for it and apply the information. Um, so those are the those are like really the two different the two ways I would recommend. But again, there's other ways. There's the Metro Two compliance. Uh, there's a few other ones. There's a uh, so I think the most common one that a lot of people use. It's pretty much let's just say if they want to get a negative multi credit report, they would just let's just say a hard inquiry, right? They would just Google how to remove hard inquiry. You know, probably get like 10 million hits. And then they'll get like some templates and and they'll send those templates in. But if you if you notice that like the next time you Google a template or a letter, it's gonna actually tell you how many times this letter has been reviewed, how many times it's been deleted, I mean how many times it's been reviewed, how many times it's probably been downloaded. So if it says a letter has been downloaded like 10 million times, then that means like you know the consumer for an agency's probably caught onto that letter by now. So that's why it's important. Um, if you do want to use the template offline, you definitely want to change the verbiage. You want to put in your own language. Um, you don't want to just, just copy and paste it uh, because a lot of times those those templates have been used so many di- so many different times. That's why it's not that's why it's not a good idea to just copy templates and use the same one over and over. And I'm not saying no, they're not going to work. I'm just saying they're not going to be as effective because so many million people have already used them already. Um, so again, the two main way I recommend is factual dispute, just putting your full side by side, look for any inconsistency. And the second one is just consumer law, using the laws that's already on the books, the Fair Credit Reporting Act, the Fair Debt Collective Practices Act, Truth and Lending Act, the Graham Leach Bailey Act. I mean, it's just so many of them out there. They're they are there to protect our rights as consumers, but if you don't know it, you just don't know it. Again, you know, thanks to the Credit Lab Podcast, you're getting this information. But I always say, you know, do your own research, study, get the information yourself, read it. It might it will definitely make more sense. So without further ado, you know, we're about to take a commercial break because we got some bills to pay. What's up, y'all? It's your girl P with P's Intuition here on the He Said What Network. Join me each and every Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time for your spiritual guidance, spiritual clarity, and intuitive oracle. All right, see y'all. Peace. Right, right. What's up? What's up? Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. All right, so now we're about to hop in some QA. Again, you can always submit your questions, you know, through um info at ronniefrancois.com. You can hit me up on my Instagram, Mr. Ronnie underscore credit hero. Or you can always leave your, your comments or your questions in the chat. Um, so that's because we appreciate that because knowledge is power. And then, you know, but I always want to give you the opportunity to ask questions if you got questions. Um, and I think today we, we got a few questions today, so hopefully we can cover them all. Uh, so the first question is, is the 1530 rule effective for credit boost? Um, yeah, so there's like a million different ways you can actually boost your credit. 
And unfortunately, the 1530 um, does, not, does, does not really work. So basically, 1530 is pretty much you splitting your payments into two. Um, you pay, you make your first half of your payment 15 days, uh, 15 days before the uh, before the due date, and then the rest of the payment the three days before the statement due date. So you basically split your payment. And what I've heard supposed to happen is by you making two payments, it's supposed to trick, um, you know, the credit card company supposed to like trick them, tell them that you made two payments. Um, so the best way you can actually find out if that's true, and I'll call your credit card company. You can straight ask me, like, look, if I still if I um, split my bill in half, are you going to report it twice? And you know, I can almost guarantee you, like nine out of ten times, they're going to tell you no. You can split your payment like three. So that means if you split your payment to three, uh, they're going to report it three times. So those are some of the questions that you can ask yourself too. So from what I've heard, from what I've the research I've done. Splitting your payments into two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten, eleven, eighteen, nineteen. Uh, no, that's they're only going to report it one time. That just said that just facts. Now, I mean, is it possible things could change by the time we get off this um, video right here? It's possible, but last time I checked, uh, that's a no-no. Uh, so the next question is, which trade line do you recommend? Um, so when it comes to trade lines. It depends. So there are people out there that actually sell trade line. Basically, you pay them X amount of dollars. Let's say, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight hundred, whatever the case might be. And then they'll put you on as an authorized user. Um, so that's one way of doing it. But the only thing about that is like once you start paying them, they're going to take you off and your score is going to drop. But there are some other, other alternatives. Like kickoff is one of them. Self-lender. Credit Strong. So I definitely recommend those three. At least those two. Credit Strong. And self lenders are pretty good, and kickoff is pretty cool too. Um, so those are the top that I recommend. But like, there's probably like a million other ones out there. Um, so that's cool. So the next one is: Do you offer free consultation? I right, so at one time I was offering free consultation. Uh, so I still am. So once we get to October 29th, which is my birthday Saturday, you know, so early happy birthday to me, of course. Uh, we no longer do free consultation. Um, that's just it. Um, there will be a fee for free con for, for the consultation. It's not going to be a whole lot, but it's not going to be free no more. So after October the 29th, um, no more free consultation. But you know, you can still schedule the consultation. It's just not going to be free no more. Still can get the same value information. And actually, nothing going to do so since the consultation is not going to be free no more. <clears throat> one of the things that we will do is when we do sign up for consultation. I will make one of my ebooks available to you for free. Um, so that way, even if you don't sign up for the service, whatever the case might be, you'll get a book out of the situation. So that way you're not walking with empty hand. I mean, you still can get some knowledge, but I just want to make sure you get some knowledge. So yes, yeah, so after October 29th, no more free consultation, but <clears throat> you can receive an ebook um, if you want one. So it's either going to be 10 credit commandments or to break the cycle and live with bad credit. They both super awesome books. Uh, so the next question is, are your ebooks still free? Um, so that's another thing too. So the ebooks was really, really free, and I gave a lot of free ebooks, but no. So I start on October 29th. Uh, no more free ebooks, unless you know, prior to this, after the 20, before the 29th, you already you already reached out to me before the 29th for a free ebook, and of course I'm locked you up. But after that, after October 29th, 2022. No more free ebooks. I think the ebooks only like 
$4.99, I believe, maybe five bucks. I'm not really sure, but um, it's definitely worth that five bucks. <clears throat> um, so the next question is, uh, why should I pay to restore my credit when I can do it on my own? <laughs> you know what? That's a very good question. Uh, look, so if my uh, if my starter went up on my car, I could probably, you know, replace my own starter. My brake pads, you know, need me to replace. I could do it on my own. But if my transmission went up, I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't do it on my own um, because you know transmission could probably have like close to eight thousand parts. Uh, there's like four different types of transmissions out there. So there's certain stuff that you should get a professional to do, and certain stuff you can actually do on your own. So um, that's why you would do that. You sometimes you need professionally do certain stuff. I mean, let's just say you do. Let's say you do get a transmission right, and it costs like. Five thousand for transmission. You got a mechanic that's going to do it for three thousand, and you said, "Look, I'm not going to pay nobody three thousand to do my transmission." But you're super, super smart. You're not like me, where like when you put something together, you have some extra bolts, extra screws, and you're like, "Okay, this must be extra pieces." And you just set it to the side, hoping you don't need it. But you're super smart, so you buy the transmission for eight grand, right? And then it's the weekend. You know, you took off work Friday, so either Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because you want to go back to work on Monday. You got the transmission in. It's looking nice and good. You look around, no extra bolts, no extra screws lying around because, like, you know, you get it what you did. You like, you watched a whole lot of YouTube videos. You are the, you are the man, you're the woman. But, you know, there's some women out there that's pretty good with their hands, too. And then, you know, you test drive, it's going good, you know, and cool. But Monday morning, you go to work. And then once time you go home, start acting up so the car don't start. So now you got to tow it to the shop, right? You tow it to the shop, and he says the transmission. Um, so now, you have to pay that mechanic to either take it out and then you got to send it in for the ship it back to the manufacturer on the warranty. Or that's if you got the one with the warranty <clears throat> and you got to get pay him to put it back in. So, so the point I'm trying to say is like you, sometimes you can save yourself a lot of headaches if you just get a professional to do the professional job. That's the point I'm trying to make. And you're pretty smart though. All right. So the next question is, uh, do you do speaking events? Yeah, of course. I'm always available for speaking event. A lot of my friends that's in, that's in real estate, when they have um, real, real estate events, come out speak. Um, high school, colleges. Matter of fact, I did a speaking event back in May. It was actually it was in California. Um, no, I didn't have enough time to fly out. I, I did on Zoom. And then I think November the 8th, 7 p.m. I'm not exactly sure about the time. I think it's a Tuesday. I think, I think it might be a Wednesday. I'm not sure, but I know it's November the 8th. I will be doing I will be doing a lot a live uh, session on Facebook and it will be dealing with moving hard inquiries. So um yeah, I do do speaking events. And right now, um I'm not really charging for speaking events right now, but at a certain point I will be charging. So if you're gonna get me, get me one free. But you do have to buy some books though, you know. So that's but we can negotiate that. Uh, what are a few ways to boost your credit score? Um, so, again, there's like a million different things you can do to boost your credit score. Um, the biggest thing that you can do to boost your credit score is make your on-time payment. Never, ever, 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 ever miss a payment. And the best way you can avoid ever missing a payment, put your bills on auto payment. Um, so, that means at least the minimum on auto pay. You can always pay more after that. Put on auto, pay, auto payment. That way you never miss a payment because 35% of your credit score is your payment history. So, you never want to miss a payment. And then the second thing is your creditization. The Consumer Report Agency, Experience Trans Union, they want you to keep at 
But I guarantee you, no joke, you take your um, ukrainization down to 10% or single digit, never miss a payment, your school will go up. Now, here's the kicker, though. If the less the less negative items you have on your credit report, the highest going to go. So if you got like 10 collection, 80 hard inquiries, and a whole bunch of other shenanigans, it's going to go up. It's not going to go up as much. But if you don't have a lot of negative items, you will definitely see an increase in your score just by paying your bills on time and keeping your credit low. Now, I know sometimes like it's kind of hard to keep your credit low, but the goal is you never, ever, ever, ever want to go above 30%. Uh, and then once you get to 20%, 10%, you know, 5%, you would definitely see an increase. So that's kind of important. And then so the next question is, um, can you touch up on uh, HJR192 cancellation of debt? Okay, cool. So basically that is uh, House Joint Resolution 192. Um, if, you never, if you never heard that before, uh, back in 1933, Actually, the United States actually filed bankruptcy. Um, so that's why the United States actually is a corporation. It's not even a country. So um, that's very, very important. So they filed bankruptcy. And so, I mean, I'm not going to get too deep into it because it's a lot of information. But basically, um, the government filed bankruptcy and they actually used us as collateral. That's when they start giving out birth certificate. And everybody that came, not, that came to the United States had to become naturalized naturalized citizen. And natural citizen, that just means he wasn't born here. They give you this document. It's like a birth certificate, but it's not. So because of that, um, so we actually collateral uh, to the government. They actually able to borrow money against us. So the government had to give us remedy. So the House, uh, House Joint Resolution 192 remedy is the government has the obligation to discharge and settle any debt that we may occur in our daily lives. Yes, <laughs> this includes mortgage, car payment, utilities. Any other bills that you might occur during your lifetime, the United States government is obligated to pay those bills. Uh, but uh, so here's another here's another twist. Actually, um, House Joint One House Joint <laughs> Resolution One Ninety Two was actually repealed at one point, but the original um, provision that was in it are, still exists. They still apply even though it was repealed. Um, so now that we know the information about House Joint Resolution 192, um, so I don't know if you've seen some of these gurus before. They will write like uh, cancellation of debt or um, they'll write discharge according to House Joint Resolution 192 on bills. And then, you know, they'll send it in, they'll call a day. Uh, so I wouldn't really recommend doing that because you'll do that with your car payment. And, you know, a couple of payments and you just go outside, your car will be gone. So no, I wouldn't recommend that. So it's very, very important to understand. So there's steps that are in place that you actually have to do in order to achieve that. So you can't just uh, simply scrap, put words on the envelope and send it in. No, that's not how it works. Okay, so the next question is, what is the most common law that credit reporting agencies violate? So the most common law is basically when they reinsert, delete the items off your credit report, they put it back on your credit report. Um, so that's a violation. You're right. They actually can't violate. They actually have to let you know ahead of time. Um, so the next question is, what is one of the most common law that debt collector violate? Um, actually, uh, so the most common one they violate is when they actually call you. They say, hey, this is X, Y, Z. This is an attempt to collect a debt. That line right there is a violation. They shouldn't be doing that. 
Um, so that's very, very important. Um, again, hopefully you got some out of this, this video today. Definitely a lot of questions. Keep the questions coming. Definitely appreciate the support. Like, share, and subscribe. Remember, um, you might have an 850 credit score, but you might have a niece, nephew, significant other who don't have good credit, and they might need this information. And you know, until the next time, thank you. Appreciate you, and God bless.